Welcome to the Convention of States Legacy Podcast, a weekly program that looks back at historic content from our archives. We hope you are educated and inspired by today's edition. Today, you will get to hear audio from a simulated Article 5 convention with 49 state delegations consisting mostly of sitting or previous state legislators. Hosted by Convention of States Foundation in August of 2023, the event was held in Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia. In part four of the final plenary session, commissioners begin debate on Proposal 2 offered by the Committee on Term Limits and Federal Judicial Jurisdiction. And so this simulated Convention of States has proposed an amendment to the United States Constitution, and this is how it would work. And uh, it, it did work. So now Representative Eubanks for proposal number two. This is on uh, the size of the Supreme Court. Thank you, Mr. President. Ladies and gentlemen of the convention, proposal number two has to do with the judicial uh, jurisdiction limits. Um, this one, I think, will be a little bit less contentious, maybe, for the group. We, we did look at it and debate it uh, vigorously, but not as long as the other two. Um, and what was, what was presented by our subcommittee is the following. The Supreme Court of the United States shall consist of nine judges, any six of whom shall constitute a quorum. There was a lot of thought that went into that. Many of you guys are aware of the fact that uh, there are forces that want to pack the courts and expand the size of the court. Um, and I would ask permission as well from the president and from the body to allow uh, our, our, our chairman of our subcommittee, uh, Mr. Uh, Representative Dan Calkins from Illinois, to come forward and to entertain any discussion or questions as to Without objection, so ordered. Representative Calkins. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, before we get started, uh, I'd like to inform you that after a heated uh, and contested selection process, I'm the first loser. Um, I considered introducing the members of, of our subcommittee just so you would know uh, whose people had such poor judgment, but I'll forego that. This is, um, this is an opportunity for us to address an issue that is before uh, the public. Uh, it's also uh, been forefront on the minds of members of Congress. Um, we, our subcommittee uh, looked into many, many uh, suggestions, and I want to thank Representative Cotter and Representative Stutzman for their uh, very thoughtful uh, submissions. We also had very many submissions from the grassroots. We felt that this was one thing that we could propose that you would all agree to, uh, and I would hope that you would support this amendment to the Constitution, and we'll take any questions. So now uh, Senator Rappert is in the chair of Vice President to preside for the rest of this debate on this amendment. Uh, Senator. Thank you, Mr. President. You may proceed. Questions? Any questions? We have North Dakota. You're recognized. Okay. You're recognized for the purpose of a comment. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chair, members of the Assembly. Um, I'm Ben Koppelman, representative from North Dakota. 
and I was part of this committee, and one of the proposals that the committee, or the charges that the committee had, was to deal with both term limits and judicial restraint. Now, I think what's on the screen is, is a very important part of that, but it's falling short of providing judicial restraint or term limits. And after much discussion, it was difficult to determine how you would term limit or even term members of the court as to whether that would become political, whether it would lead to other issues. The issue on the screen deals with avoiding court packing, essentially, by addition or subtraction. I'm proposing an amendment to that that was considered in committee. Um, it did um, not get selected. But the legislative branch of the, of the government, of you know, the Congress, is supposed to have more power than the judiciary and the executive. Just the same, the states are, in essence, supposed to have more power than all of the above. And the way that we can achieve that is if we provide a judicial review of the decisions of that Supreme Court. Because the Supreme Court is essentially saying, we decree that this subject is off the table, that it belongs only to us, not to the states, and not to the Congress. So in order to do that, the amendment I'm proposing would suggest that upon three-fifths, or 60%, is what that would equal, three-fifths vote of the House of Representatives and the Senate Congress may override a majority opinion rendered by the Supreme Court. And it would go on to say the congressional override under section four, or excuse me, under that section, the numbering has changed, is not subject to a presidential veto and shall not be subject to litigation or review in any federal or state court. It would go on to say that upon three-fifths vote of the several legislatures of the states, that they may also override that opinion rendered by the Supreme Court and the same would be true, where it would be not subject to litigation in a state or a federal court. So, uh, Mr. President, I would propose that amendment. Okay. Members, uh, any, any questions at all for the gentleman on his amendment? And I will say that going forward, I know I stepped in right here, that we'll make sure to take questions before taking an amendment uh, further on that. But... You do have a proper amendment on the floor, um, and so I want to ask if there's any other questions for him on this amendment. Now, we have a couple of other people that are here that were before you, sir. We have New Jersey and North Carolina. Is any of those members for the purpose of a question? We have Connecticut. Connecticut, you're recognized, and remember to please state your name for all of those in hearing and those watching. Thank you, Mr. Mr. President. Um, for the purposes of question, Joe Markley from Connecticut, is simply that in the discussion in the committee yesterday, um, this amendment included a time limit for review of these. I wondered why that uh, particular protection was removed. Recognize for your response. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, the reason that that was not included in this proposal is because I don't believe that we necessarily know within, it was a 24-month period of time limit on that review. And if you look at many landmark decisions, um, anything from abortion to other hot-button issues, I think we might have some indication about what the decision means in certain circumstances, because it's obvious. In other cases, it might mean something that then the court later builds upon and builds upon and builds upon, and, and that one thing that, didn't, that seemed meaningless in the first 24 months now becomes something that clears the table of an entire issue. And so the states need to reserve the right at any time, and the Congress, 
to uh, overrule that and say, no, the Constitution gives us that right and we're going we're gonna to exercise that right. The member, before you step away, I want to make sure the Secretary, do you have his amendment totally in hand now? Should be. Is everything in agreement to you, sir, with that? I, I believe so, but I don't know if we have the part about the states. Yep. And, the, and the sections need to be renumbered for purposes of, of this because the text I provided you, if you recall, was a longer proposed amendment. So I don't know that section four and those references. I'd have to double check the numbering, but otherwise it's correct. Staff will continue to make sure that's in order. We have several people lined up for questions. I have first North Carolina, if you still want to be recognized. Anyone from North Carolina? Okay, all right. New Jersey. Okay, well, this will hold and continue on this debate. I will keep, I will keep you in line for the future debate. Nebraska, do you want to speak or have a question on the amendment? Hearing nothing, Minnesota. Minnesota, you're recognized. Please state your name for the record. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, Representative Walter Hudson from Minnesota rising um, to ask a question. I love what you're trying to do here. It's fantastic. My question is, was there any discussion in committee about, it's kind of difficult to articulate, but I'll, for purposes of illustration, I'll call it the Jenga Tower of Precedence, right? Like if you go through, through a legislative action and undo a judicial precedent, what effect that might have on overall jurisprudence? You recognize? Yes, thank you, Mr. President. I would say that uh, that, that was considered. Um, keep in mind the brevity of our process here um, with it being a mock simulation. I think the concept and the, and the scope of these judicial reviews would be areas where the court is attempting to usurp or make uh, certain subjects or powers off limits to the Congress or the presidency or the states that, that would otherwise not be given to them um, specifically by the Constitution. It wasn't meant to undermine court decisions and precedent as related to subjects of dispute between states or, or uh, whether or not a specific um, um, provision is maybe unconstitutional. They could review that in the Congress, but then if, if the issue rose again, the court could still rule. So it's not making it, taking it off the table for the court. It's not um, toppling that, uh, I think it was referred to as a Jenga tower, but merely saying that the court cannot legislate by virtue of their interpretation of what's constitutional. And that's the key. Thank you. Members, we have five different speakers on deck here. I'm going to recognize Washington if you have a comment or question on this particular amendment. And I would like, since we have so many, for you to be prepared, if you will, if you are going to speak on this amendment, I have Kansas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, and Pennsylvania. So please be ready so that we can move expeditiously. Sir? Do yeah. we get an opportunity to respond from our committee? Uh, to certainly. We certainly can take comments. And so would you I, like to do that before yielding? We, we debated this vigorously. And one of the points that was made was that the uncertainty once a constitutional decision is made by the United States Supreme Court, that we allow the states or the Congress to intercede at some point in the future. 
that there is no certainty of law. And it was expressed very eloquently uh, by Mr. Ross that we're going to allow a large time frame now undetermined of how that law will apply. And we rejected this idea in our committee. Not that we don't agree that there should be ways to limit what the Supreme Court legislates. We believe that that is the body, uh, Congress is the body, and if they don't agree with a ruling by the United States Supreme Court, they can pass a law that addresses that. But by allowing this to happen, we are going to create a tremendous amount of uncertainty amongst the public. And I would urge you not to approve this amendment. Gentleman has spoken. We have now the gentleman from Washington. You recognize, sir. Thank you, Senator Phil Fortunato, Washington State. So the previous speaker kind of hit my point. The way that we as legislators address a court ruling is to then draft legislation that addresses whatever issue that the court says. So either we have a constitution that has three separate branches of government and we obey the legislative branch or the president or the executive branch or the uh, judicial branch. Judicial branch comes out and says, we think that this is unconstitutional because of this, 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 and this. So it's up to us as the legislators to then say, okay, we are going to pass legislation that addresses those issues. And that's the way that we as the legislature would then respond to a court ruling that we don't like. And so for that reason, I love this amendment, I just don't agree with it. So thank you. Thank you. Gentleman from Oklahoma. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, definitely agree with the spirit of the amendment. We actually discussed this a little bit yesterday in our subcommittee. I think, though, there's a, there's a significant flaw. The author might consider this doing this now or tabling it or whatever you decide to do. But we're not doing nothing to protect the parties. I mean, we, we're leaving out a critical element of the, of the Supreme Court decision. And if you leave the parties out of this decision, so we want to reverse the ruling or the opinion, the presidential status, uh, but we, we, we must protect the parties. And honestly, I'm not so comfortable using three-fifths. I would prefer using two-thirds. The track record of that fraction in the Constitution is not so good. So anyway, I'd rather use two-thirds. But anyway, I, I think it's flawed with regards to the parties. I would encourage the author to reconsider that. Comments are well spoken. He will have that under consideration. Uh, the gentleman from uh, Kansas. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, Patrick Penn, State Representative from Kansas. I agree with the previous speaker, uh, dear brother. The three-fifths rule does not have a good track record in America. While we have a very uh, splotchy record uh, when it comes to race relations, I also have another problem with this particular amendment, uh, while it is well-reasoned and well-presented. Uh, when we look at the Constitution, we understand that uh, there's a separation of powers for a reason. We have a process. When we go back to Marbury versus Madison, we understand uh, how the Supreme Court uh, is actually supposed to operate here within the context of our Constitution. I will bring to your attention when you see congressional override, uh, hopefully at a two-thirds level. C Congress passed something called the Fugitive Slave Law. There were enough uh, people in the, in, the, in the Congress to pass that piece of legislation to re-enslave and capture slaves who had gotten to freedom. 
the Supreme Court actually passed Dred Scott. So with this right here, you wouldn't have a President Abraham Lincoln able to veto those even though the Congress had approved it and the Supreme Court had passed it. So I would submit to you to oppose this amendment um, just on the basis of dignity and sensibility. Thank you. Uh, the gentleman from Louisiana, President Jenkins, is recognized. Mr. President, uh, members, I think this particular amendment is contrary to the rule of law, contrary to our system of government of separation of powers. The legislative branch has many ways that it has checks on the judiciary. First of all, the Senate has to approve proposed judges. Second, the Congress can impeach judges. The Congress can pass legislation to undo um, opinions, in effect. They can amend the Constitution. But to say that after a case has gone through maybe years of litigation and judges have heard the facts and they've heard the arguments, now a political decision is made by legislators who arrive and suddenly they're judges. No, that doesn't work in our system. It's, it makes our system political and not legal. So I understand, I disagree with a world of Supreme Court decisions and I work to overturn them. I work to overturn them through legislation. And I think that's the way to do it. But to try to get the Congress involved in making a court decision, I think a terrible mistake and a, and a corruption of our system, really. Thank you, Mr. President. The gentleman from Pennsylvania is recognized. Thank you, Mr. President. And I'm representing Senator Chris Dush from Pennsylvania. I had actually proposed a similar amendment over in the uh, Committee on Federal Legislative and Executive Jur Jurisdiction under the countermand amendment. Uh, it failed as well, but uh, it was a very close vote. We, every, the sincerity, they say, is the sincerest form of flattery. Every major sports franchise in the world has copied the Republican form of government. You have the franchise owners who select a rules committee. That's us. That's the legislators. The rules committee set up the rules for the field of play. And in Pennsylvania, uh, we have our Bill of Rights, then uh, before we even mention government, then it's the legislature that's first mentioned, then it's the law. The executive and judicial branches are Articles 3 and 4. They are literally and figuratively and on purpose under the law. When the courts deem to create law from the bench, that's a usurpation of the executive, I mean the legislative authority. There has to be a check against that usurpation. The courts have, if, if the courts want to run or create law, they need to run for office. The courts being appointed, they are not doing that. Now I agree, I think the two-fifths is probably a little bit too low. And I would rather see it come uh, from the state legislatures than Congress because Congress acts on a very much more political basis. And in a forum such as this, I think if two-thirds uh, two of the state legislatures were to come back and overrule a Supreme Court ruling that usurped the authority of the legislative branch, I think that is entirely appropriate. 
we need to start standing up and taking the authority. It was said earlier today that uh, the judicial branch was set up to be the least powerful. And it was concerns that it wouldn't have enough power. And yet today, with the usurpations that we have seen, both in the states and the federal courts, we see today that that is not the case. Because quite honestly, if you, if you watch, and I compare it again to the sports analogy, if the players and coaches and the referees start colluding on the field of play to change the rules, you're going to have disruption on the field, on the sidelines, in the stands, and in the owner's boxes. And that's what we are seeing today because the executive and judicial branches are often colluding and operating together against the people who are the sovereign rep representatives of a sovereign people. We need to take the stand of the people, the, the franchise owners. When the, the executive and judicial start usurping the legislative authority, the franchise owners are disenfranchised. For this, gentlemen's time has expired, so I'll allow you to close. I will just close with this. I would like to see this type of uh, an amendment but I think it does need fleshed out a little bit more. And I thank the gentleman. I'm of like mind. Thank you. Gentleman from Hawaii is recognized. Uh, Chair will remind you earlier, you all set a time limit of three minutes. And so we, at this point, we really need to stay within it. Thank you. You're recognized. Thank you, Mr. President. Jim Hopert from Hawaii. Uh, there is a proposal to amend the Constitution to allow for review of constitutional or judicial opinions. So I don't have a problem changing the current status where there's separation of powers. That separation of powers is created in the Constitution. So we actually can consider changing it. I don't have a problem with that. And I think 50 years was a very long time for annual marches for life because the state legislatures did not have this power. But then again, I also wonder whether having something like this in the Constitution of the United States could offer up a little mischief, like having the requisite number of states repeal <coughs> Marbury versus Madison. There's no limit to how far back we can go. I do support something like this, and since this is a mock exercise, I would like the Hawaii delegation to vote in favor of it. But I think perhaps in a real situation, it needs to be thought out a little bit more. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, Utah. Gentleman from Utah is recognized. I see no one else for the purposes of a question, so we will move back to the presenter of the amendment after this question. You have a question. We'll put you on the list. Yes, thank you, Mr. President Pro Tem. Um, I rise in opposition to this, as, uh, as many of the court decisions, as we know, are problematic, are difficult. There are many other ways that we can deal with this. A case that goes to the Supreme Court is the law of the case. You have two parties that have a dispute, and they bring the dispute before the court, and the court resolves the dispute between the parties it's the rest of the world that then interprets that as whether that is law or not law. 
But what the court decides is the law of that case. And, and as it goes forward, then clever lawyers will say, that is a, a, a subsequent case is exactly like that case, or a subsequent case is nothing like that case. And that's the only time that the law of that case will apply to a subsequent case. We have all kinds of other mechanisms, including Article 5 that we're talking about today. I learned last week that if you look at the Article 5 library and you look under right to life, it says there were 34 live applications in 1980. Now, whether those were active and appropriate Article 5 libraries, someone counting applications believes there were 34 live applications in 1980. We already have that power. Congress has the power to craft legislation by simple majority in ways that may then be constitutional, according to the court. But if we get into the purview of disrupting the law of the case between two parties, I think down that road lies a lot of, uh, a lot of peril. And so I would, uh, while I very much appreciate the intent of this, I would encourage a no vote on this amendment. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, have the commissioner from Alaska that has uh, raised a question. Thank, thank you, Mr. President. I'm Shelley Hughes from Alaska. I actually um, believe it, it, it is not just a question. It is regarding this amendment, Mr. Um, President. Section 2, I would propose striking it and replacing it um, instead of giving the power to Congress, give the power to state legislatures and change that to two-thirds. Upon two-third votes of the several states, the several states may overturn a majority opinion rendered by the federal courts. And I'm changing Supreme Court to federal courts because that's often where decisions. And I'd like to state the reason for that. Uh, allow me to state that there is a myth in our nation that there is judicial supremacy. There is not judicial supremacy. They do not get the last word. We are a government of, for, and by the people, and that includes the judiciary branch, and they need to reflect the people of this great nation. And so therefore, I think um, when we think back to the check and balances as our, um, our uh, convention president from Louisiana stated, there are checks and balances present. However, things have changed in our nation. Prior to 1950, attorneys and judges tended to lean towards the right. They now very much lean towards the left. And so the check and balance to make sure that we have neutrality is very important. And so allowing another check at this time is extremely necessary. Uh, we do have courts legislating from the bench. And so I support the spirit of this amendment, but I believe that we need to strike section two and not empower Congress, but empower the state legislatures at a level of two thirds of the states and apply it to all federal courts. Right now we're pleased, most of us in this room I think are pleased with the makeup of our Supreme Court, but think back a few years and we don't know what's ahead either. And often some of the decisions at the federal court level below the Supreme Court have been problematic and involved legislating from the Brent bench. So I, I make the motion to strike section two and replace it with, upon two thirds votes of the several states, the several states may overturn a majority opinion rendered by the federal courts.
Senator, that's a, that's a proper motion. We do have a second. Remember, this is actually an amendment to the amendment. Uh, if, if you want to make a point of order, please come up here to be recognized for that purpose. Where, where we're at uh, is we have an amendment to the amendment, uh, which you will have a vote on that. Then so you'll have to vote the amendment the next page. to get back to the original question. Uh, state your name for the record. And, Bill, and Bill Gustav, State of Iowa. I was on the subcommittee in the committee on this. So sections four and five weren't on the screen. So the ladies, I'm just saying procedurally, the ladies striking, striking section two isn't necess necessary to replace it with. She, I think she wants to strike sections two and three and amend section four and five is what she's probably proposing. She didn't have those up on the screen. Thank you, sir. Staff, are you tracking? Have you got that, Mr. Secretary? I, I do. Two thirds. So, and I would also, I would strike section two. It's valid. Appreciate your comment. So, what I would ask the staff to do is, for the purposes of clarity for everybody, you need to read the the actual text that's going to be voted upon so that everyone is clear. Are you prepared to do that? I, I need some clarity from the okay. lady who moved. Uh, the Secretary has some, would you please come back so that we can have this cleared up? Thank you, Mr. President. Is it possible to get all of it on one screen so I can see all the sections? Really tiny text. We can well, do that. <laughs> at least for me, so I can see it because I'm up close. Okay. So I, I, I will just state I still I don't want to empower Congress, so I move to strike section two and three and replace in section four three fifths with two thirds and replace Supreme Court with federal courts. Members, is everyone clear? I'm going to call for a vote on the amendment to the amendment as stated. Uh, gentleman from Utah is recognized for a point of order. We, we are in the discussion of term limits and federal jurisdiction and I don't believe that this is germane to this section of our discussion and to the nature of this proposal that came forward. We do have proposals under federal jurisdiction, but the nature of this discussion was term limits. And I think we've gone very far afield of the nature of that discussion. So I would, uh, as a matter of uh, a point, I would say that this is not germane to uh, where we start, I'd request a ruling on germaneness. Yeah, comment. So this committee was tasked with term limits and judicial jurisdiction. This deals with judicial jurisdiction. Yeah. Parliamentarian states this deals with judicial ju ju jurisdiction. And so chair rules that it's germane for discussion. The body will get a chance to vote one way or another on that. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Okay. We're at a point where we're calling for a vote on the amendment to the amendment. It's been properly, motion's been properly made, properly seconded. You've had discussion. I'd like for a voice vote signified by the chairs of each of the states. All those in favor of the amendment to the amendment say aye. Aye. 
All those opposed say nay. nay. The ayes have it, or do you want to have a division? I think it was pretty close, so let's have a division. It would suit me because it was very close to my ears. So if we would call the roll. Alabama. Aye. Alaska. Yes. Arizona. Arkansas. California. Colorado. Connecticut. Delaware. Florida. Georgia. Hawaii. Hawaii is yes. Idaho. Illinois. Indiana. Iowa. Yes. Kansas. No. Kentucky. No. Louisiana. Yes. Maine. No. Maryland. No. Massachusetts. No. Michigan. Yes. Minnesota. Yes. Mississippi. Yes. Missouri. Yes. Montana. Yes. Nebraska. Yes. Nevada. Yes. New Hampshire. No. New Jersey. No. New Mexico. No. New York. Yes. Okay. North Carolina. Yes. North Dakota. Yes. Ohio. Yes. Oklahoma. Yes. Oregon. No. Pennsylvania. No. South Carolina. No. South Dakota. No. Tennessee. Aye. Texas. Yes. Utah. Abstain. Utah abstains. We are Vermont. No. Virginia. Aye. Washington. Yes. Virginia. Yes. Wisconsin. No. Wyoming. The vote is 31 yay, 17 nay, with an abstention. The amendment to the amendment fails. It just passes. I'm, did you say Pastor if I didn't hear you, sir? It's 31 to 17. Oh, yes. I apologize. <laughs> the chair withdraws his comments. <laughs> uh, sir, you're recognized for your amended Thank you for listening to the Convention of States Legacy Podcast. To learn more about our grassroots movement, go to www.conventionofstates.com.